0: God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thanks so much for coming and We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the people there, so we bring that service to you. Wherever you are, you don't have to be without a congregation. You just log on and there's lots of other friendly people, wonderful people here to talk to you and go through the service with you and to get closer and draw closer to God along with you in your journey to know Him. And we hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and the promises He has for your life. Now, would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis in chapter 31? That's where we're going to be today. And as you may or may not know, we always put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. Now, today, I'd like to talk to you about enough. I want to get right down into our story today, the story of Yaakov, Jacob, as we would say in English... Yaakov, beavrit, or in Hebrew. Yaakov is in a place where his brother is wanting to kill him back home. And his uncle, where he had traveled to, is trying to catch him. No matter which way he goes, there's danger. Danger back home and danger with Laban. And Yaakov is at a place where he knows he can't take care of himself and his family. He's far away from home and all alone. He has nobody to help him. Nobody, that is, except for God. And as Yaakov is finding out, God is enough. So let's look at Genesis 31, starting at the beginning of the chapter in verse 1. and It says, Now Yaakov heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Yaakov has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all of his wealth. And Yaakov, it says in verse 2, saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable to him as it was before. And then the Lord said to Yaakov, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. And so Yaakov sent, and he called Rachel, his wife, and Leah, his wife to the field, to his flock, and they were in private out there, and he could talk to them about these things, you see. And, and he said to them, it says in verse 5, I see your father's countenance, that it's not favorable to me as it used to be, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I've served your father, Laban, and yet your father has deceived me, changing my wages ten times, but God didn't let him hurt me. And if he said this, the speckled shall be your wages, among the flock, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said this, the streaks shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked, lambs and goats. And so God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. He's basically saying, it's not my fault. Your father made the rules and whatever rules your father made, God did it and he blessed me instead. So God's blessing me. And then in verse 10, he continues and says, And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream. It was a dream that God showed him something. And he said, And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks, in other words, to mate, they were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes now and see that all the rams which leap upon the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I've seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Beit El, that's how you say it, Be'erit in Hebrew. I am the God of Beit El, remember Beit El, the place of God. He says, I am the God of Beit El, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise and get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then verse 14 continues, it says, Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Well, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he sold us and all, he's also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father is really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, they say to Yaakov, just do it. And then Yaakov arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And he carried away all of his livestock and all of his possessions which he had gained. He's acquired livestock which he had gained in Padanaram. That's the place where they were, where Laban and, and his two wives lived. And they put all of this stuff on the camels and packed it all up to go to his father, Isaac, in the land of Canaan. And verse 19 then says, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols. In other words, the false gods that were her fathers. They belonged to her father. You see, they were from a culture that worshipped idols. And here she was stealing these idols and... Uh, her, Her father worshipped idols, but Yaakov had met and worshipped the true and living God, the only God, the God who made heaven and earth. And verse 20 says, And Yaakov stole away, in other words, he left, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he was intended to flee. And verse 21 then says, So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Yaakov had fled. So then he took his brothers with him, all of his brethren, and pursued for seven days' journey. And he overtook Yaakov in the mountains of Gilead. Verse 24 then continues, But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night. Now pay attention to this. And he said to him, Be careful that you speak to Yaakov neither good nor bad. Let's talk about these verses. Uh, We can see in the beginning of this chapter that the relationship between Yaakov and Laban has been a real challenge. It's been a problem. It wasn't good at all, in fact. Laban was a con man. He lied over and over again, trying to get as much as he could from Yaakov for as little as he could. Now remember, Yaakov was also a con man back home, but on the way to Padanaram to find his wife and to take refuge from his brother Esau, who was trying to kill him, Yaakov met the Lord. God appeared to him. God spoke to him. And from that moment on, his life was changed. Yaakov had been a con man also, just like Laban. And He had also lied back in his own home. He tried to get everything he could by stealing it and taking advantage of others. But now he's a changed man. He's seen the Lord and his whole life is completely different. He is a new man. And he's no longer concerned with what he can get and get and get in life. Now he's more concerned about doing the right thing and about being an honest man. He's got a family now, and he's responsible for leading people in what's right. He's got to be a good example to everyone around him so his wives and his children can see what a man of God is supposed to be instead of being in a home where they came from, where Laban was a bad example. Yaakov has had enough of that old way of life. He's had enough of living only for himself in life. A selfish life. Now he's tasted a godly life where he's living for God, where he's living to take care of others instead of always thinking just about himself. And now instead of the other people being the victim of his dishonesty, he's the victim of someone else's lies and deception. He's a victim of Laban's con man tactics. He's the one who's suffering because of the lies and greed of an evil man, Laban. It's also important for us to see here that Yaakov is no longer trusting in himself to take care of him and his family. No, he's trusting in God to keep them, to protect them, to provide for them, and to lead them. Yaakov has had enough of just serving his own fleshly desires and instincts. He's had enough of paying the price for his failed plans and selfish lifestyle. And now in Laban, Jacob sees the ugliness of a man living only for himself, a man who never has enough, a man who's never content, never happy in life. That's the way the world is. They get and they get and they get and they never have enough. A man who's never content, never happy in life. That's the way Laban is. He's a man who's placed all of his hope in wealth and possessions. But as you know, you can't take those with you. And furthermore, they don't even make you happy while you're here. You get what you think will make you happy, and no sooner that you got it, then you're looking for something else that you think might make you happy. It's funny, huh? The grass is always greener over there someplace else. If you could only have this, then you'd be happy. If you could only acquire this, And this much money, then you'd be happy. And then you get that, and you get that much money. And the first thing you think of is, I wished I had more now. You're never content. It's never enough in the world. But with God, He is enough, always. Now Yaakov has found that secret in life, to trust God. You see, the world looks at the believer as a weak person. They look at the the believer as a person who's at a disadvantage in life. The world thinks a person has to be stronger than everybody else to survive and to thrive and to make it and to be happy. The world thinks that a person has to be more shrewd and conniving and be a con person to, to con everybody else of what they have in order to be happy. They have to be more devious than everyone else. That's what the world thinks. But Yaakov has had enough of that way of thinking. Now he knows from experience that to be truly successful and happy in life, you really just have to trust the Lord. He's seen that no matter how Laban treated him, no matter how Laban took advantage of him, God caused Yaakov to eventually win. God was fighting for Yaakov. He didn't need to fight for himself anymore. Remember last week? He was letting God fight his battles for him. And now let's see what happens when Laban finally catches up with Yaakov and finally catches up with him and goes into the camp there. And that starts back up at verse 25. And that says, so Laban overtook Yaakov and Yaakov had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brothers, all of his brothers that were with him pitched in the mountains of Gilead. They're very close by. And then Laban comes over there, it says in verse 26, and he says to Yaakov, What have you done that you've stolen away, unknown to me, and carried my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs with timbrel and harp, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you've done foolishly in so doing." It is in my power to hurt you. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Yaakov neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly longed for your father's house. Okay, I get that. But why did you steal my gods, he says. (laughs) Steal his gods? We'll talk about that in a minute. Then Yaakov answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, he left. For I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel, his wife, had stolen those false gods, those idols. And so it says in verse 33, And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent and into the two maids' tent. Remember, he gave a maid to each of his two daughters when they were married to Yaakov. But he didn't find his idols, his false gods. Then he went out of Leah's tent, and he entered Rachel's tent. It says in verse 34, Now Rachel had taken the household idols. She's the one that took them. They believed in false gods at that time. Back there... Jacob didn't. He had met the true and living God. His father, Yitzhak, had met the true and living God. Abraham, his grandfather, had met the true and living God. But now, he serves the real and living God, and Laban is worshiping idols. And that was really just a member of the family, a relative there. And funny how those two different scenarios, in the same family, one can worship idols and the wrong things, and others worship the true and living God. And maybe that's the way in your family. You say, well, they don't worship false gods and idols. Well, maybe they worship money. Maybe that's their false god. Maybe that's their idol. Maybe they live trying to make themselves famous and powerful. Then that's their god. Whoever you yield yourself a servant to obey, his servants you are, whether money or the true and living God. But anyway, Laban comes into the tent of Rachel, and Rachel had taken the false idols, and she put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but he didn't find them. And then verse 35, And she said to her father, Laban, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. In other words, she was having her menstrual period at that time of the month. And she said, I can't get up because of that reason. And so he searched, but he didn't find the household idols there either. Apparently he didn't have her get up because she was sitting on that camel's saddle and she had hidden them under there. Let's talk about these verses. Okay, so now we see God himself has spoken to Laban. And God has warned Laban to not harm Yaakov. In fact, God even warned Laban not to say anything good or bad to Jacob. He knew that if he started talking, he would get angry and he would do something that God would have to punish him for. What God is saying to Laban is, Hands off, Yaakov. He's mine. And God takes care of his children. He's mine. That's what he was saying to Laban. Yaakov is my child. So Laban arrives at Yaakov's camp. But now he doesn't know what to do. The very last night he had this dream where God warned him, and you know, once you, once God talks to you, you think about it. You don't forget it. You know that He's powerful. There He is talking to you from out of heaven. You know who He is. Your heart bears witness. This is God. This is the all powerful one who made everything. And He's telling me not to say anything to you, to Yaakov, and he was fearful. But he came all that distance to find Yaakov and probably to take back his flocks, his daughters, and the children as well. But God warns him, don't you do anything to him. Don't you even talk bad to him because he's mine. So Laban arrives at the camp with Yaakov there. And now he doesn't know what to do. He had come with the other men to get all those things and return them and take them all for himself. They weren't his. He had made the rules back there in Padanaram. He told Yaakov, if the striped ones are born, you take the stripes. If If the others are born, you know, with spots on them or they're not a solid color brown or a solid color white, if it comes out with stripes or spots or speckled, then you take those. And remember, out there, Laban is stronger than Yaakov. He has men with him and a lot of people who serve him. He was a wealthy man, but he was also an evil man. And against God, though, he and his man don't stand a chance. Also notice that out there, Yaakov is far away from his home. In his home, he was an important person. He had hundreds of people looking out for them and their family. Remember, in Genesis 14, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, had a small army that defeated the combined armies of four invading kings to rescue Lot. There were probably tens of thousands of soldiers in those armies, but Abraham raised an army of 318 of his trained servants. Those were just the men who were of fighting age, who would go with him to fight, and God gave the victory to Abraham. You see what happened. Well... Abraham had Yitzhak as his son. Yitzhak had Yaakov as his son. And since that time of Abraham, all this army of people, all this community has only multiplied greatly. And now they're wealthier than the kings in that area. In fact, kings had to even ask them to leave because they were too powerful to live in their kingdom. And so they were out there all on their own had hundreds and hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people at that time joined to their community. Well, think of this. Yaakov was the heir to Isaac. He was the heir to Abraham and the promises of God. These people that stayed with him, that served them, had seen the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they had seen how he blessed these people, this family. Remember, God had said to Abraham. I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. So remember, when you speak evil of Israel today, you're not blessing them. You're cursing them. And God has a promise there. It's not changed in all these years. He will bless those that bless Israel, and He will curse those who curse Israel. You say, well, Pastor Stephen, why are you talking about Israel? We're talking about Yaakov. Because... In just a chapter or two, God's going to change Yaakov's name to Israel. That's where the name came from. And it would be all of his descendants that would have this blessing. The descendants of Abraham, of Yitzchak, and of Yaakov now. And now Yaakov is the heir to all of this wealth, to all of this family. A small army, probably even a medium-sized army by now, defeated all these other powerful armies. But what good are they going to do, Yaakov, now? He's out in the middle of nowhere, all alone. If he goes back home, he thinks Esau is going to try to kill him. He's already heard that he would. But if he tries to turn back to Laban, Laban is hot on his trail, trying to get the flocks and his children, his daughters back, and all of this stuff. They really belong to Yaakov. He earned them fairly according to the agreement that Laban himself made, according to the rules that Laban himself made. They belong to Yaakov now. They're Yaakov's family. It's all the wealth that God has given Yaakov to live on and for his family and children to live on, you see. But now Laban is coming there and Yaakov is fearful if he goes forward, has to meet his brother Esau who might try to kill him. He's fearful if he turns back. Has to meet up with Laban again and give an account for what just happened. And lo and behold, he's there in his camp, probably thinking that Laban is going to catch up with him. Laban has own horses and camels and his men are with him. They don't have to stop. They're not sending a, a flock of sheep and goats along. They don't have to tend that herd along the way. They don't have all these children and the wives and, and their maids and everything to, to try to cater to and feed everybody and make sure everyone stops and gets enough rest. No, these guys are traveling much faster than Yaakov. They catch up to him in the mountains of Gilead. And now Laban after having a dream where God says, don't you say anything to him, good or bad. Warns him about saying anything bad and cursing Yaakov, who's going to be Israel. God won't bless him if he does that, you see. He blesses those who bless Israel. He curses those who curse Israel. And so Yaakov now sees Laban coming into his camp. And we see that... All of these things that was going on, that to the human reasoning, it would be easy to think, oh, well, Yaakov is really in trouble now. He's alone, except for someone else that came with him. God was with him. And it doesn't matter how many people are against you when God is for you. It doesn't matter what the odds are against you, what the odds are that the world says, or how much disadvantage the world thinks you have. It doesn't matter how many odds are against you when God is for you. And that's because no matter what the situation is, God is enough. God is enough to give you the victory. And that's why the scriptures say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? God is enough. That's what it's saying. Now, as I read these verses that we just covered, it's, it's kind of amazing to me that it says Laban is, is reporting that his gods were stolen. <laughs> oh, no, my gods were stolen. Somebody stole my gods. Well, you know what, Laban? If you've got gods that can be stolen, then those gods are too small. They're not gods at all. They're just idols that you worship. And that's not real smart. Make something out of the fire, out of metal, or out of some wood and carve it and set it up and bow down to it and worship it, call it your God. Is that smart? That's not very smart. Why not look up instead under the night sky see the infinite heavens and the mighty wonders of God? And as Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above show His handiwork. And it says their message, comes night by night, day by day, and they've, that message has gone out into all the earth. What's that saying? All the earth has got skies above it, and at night you can see the stars and these galaxies and all the wonders that God has put there to show you how great He is, to show you His power, and that He alone is the Creator. And here's Laban worried about his gods, BECAUSE SOMEBODY STOLE HIS GODS. OH NO! SOMEBODY TOOK HIS GODS. LAUGHING OUT LOUD, LOL, LET'S PUT IT THERE. IT SEEMS THAT Laban NEEDS TO GET TO KNOW THE TRUE AND LIVING GOD, THE ONE WHO MADE HEAVEN AND EARTH, THE ONLY TRUE GOD, AND HE ALONE IS LORD OVER ALL. TO HIM ALONE BELONGS THE KINGDOM AND THE POWER AND THE GLORY FOREVER. AMEN. THEN WE GO TO VERSE 36. Yaakov rebukes Laban. Laban can't find the gods. God has met with Laban and told him, Don't you say anything good or bad to Yaakov. He doesn't know what to do. But look at what he does. He gets a little angry and he kind of loses his control, I guess. In verse 36 it says, Then Yaakov was angry and rebuked Laban. And Yaakov answered said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? This is Jacob speaking to Laban. Jacob knows that he's in the right. He knows that Laban is dishonest and lied to him, changed the rules. And so now he says, although you've searched all of my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brothers and your brothers that they may judge between us both to see who's right and who's wrong, you see. Then verse 38 says, these 20 years, Yaakov saying to Laban, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. God blessed it. I've not eaten the rams of your flock. I took care of my own food. I didn't take it from you, even though I was guarding over your flocks. Then he says in verse 39, that which was torn by the beasts, I did not bring to you. I myself bore the loss of it. Yaakov knew that he would be accountable for each and every one of those sheep, each and every one of those goats. And if there was a loss, Yaakov himself, from his own possessions, replaced it. He says in verse 39 that that which was torn by beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by date or stolen by night. There I was in the day the drought consumed me in the heat of the day and no water and, and the frost by night. And it was cold out there in the wilderness at night at that time of the year. And he was there year after year. And he says, My sleep departed from my eyes. Verse 41, Yaakov continues, he says, Thus I have been in your house like this doing all of this work for 20 years. I served you like this for your two daughters, and six. And and your two daughters I served you for 14 years, and six years I served you for your flock. And you've changed my wages 10 different times. Unless the God of my father, verse 42 says, unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely now you would have even sent me away empty-handed." God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and he rebuked you last night. You see, Yaakov knew that God had spoken to Laban. He's now saying to Laban, he says, God has seen my affliction. He's seen how you've treated me. He's seen the work of my hands that I've honestly served you and he rebuked you last night. And then Laban responds in a weird way, I'll tell you. Verse 43, then Laban answers Yaakov, And he said to Yaakov, These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have borne? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, and you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me." You know, that's where we're going to stop today, but look at this, what they just said. Yaakov rebukes Laban for his dishonesty and the evilness that he has done. And Laban doubles down on it and says, all of this is mine. All the daughters are mine. Okay, well, Laban, we can understand that the daughters are yours, but you gave them fairly to Yaakov to marry. In fact, you even celebrated when they were married. Remember? Before all of your brothers, everybody saw that this was a a legitimate wedding, that you gave away the daughters, and now you're saying, these daughters are mine. Then you have the nerve to go out there and say, these children are mine. That's interesting. I mean, these children were from Yaakov and Leah, and from Yaakov and Rachel. How did you have anything to do with that, Laban? Laban wants everything. He thinks everything belongs to him. All the family, all the flocks, everything. He never has enough. The godless never have enough. Remember that. The people that don't know the Lord will never have enough in life. They just keep looking for more and more. And you see them spending all of their life trying to search for the things that they think will make them happy. But they never acquire it. That's because stuff will never make you happy. You were created in the image of God to know God, and that alone will make you happy in life. Yet even as Laban is saying all of this and saying that all of these things are his, he's remembering the voice of God the night before, telling him that he better not speak anything good or evil to Yaakov. He's probably already disobeyed that. As the Bible says though, don't touch the anointed of the Lord. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what the Word is saying. God watches over his children so back off. Is God watching over you? Is He protecting you? Is He leading you, providing for you, taking care of you in life? If you give your life to Him, you can be in His care, watched over by Him, led through life by Him, and you'll always have enough, enough food, enough clothing, enough love, enough happiness that endures, and enough of all you need because God is enough he's enough amen now why don't you give your life to God today right now if you call out to him he'll hear you cry and he'll answer you and he'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in and he'll shine his light on your heart you'll be given a new life he'll change you into a new person throw all those past failures away and you'll be made completely new, given a new start in life and He'll give you everlasting life in heaven and that's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord today and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. You can pray something like this. Repeat after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you, and I thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll tell you something. God heard you, and He's already started working in your life. A little seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your life, in your heart. Everything's going to be different now. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him every day in His Word. Talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life.